This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Well, uh, you know, if you've been here for any period of time, you know I hadn't spoken now for a bunch of weeks, and uh, a lot of that was on purpose. And part of that, and, and I'll get into it periodically on the next few weeks as the Lord begins to release things, but I hadn't been the most healthy person, okay? And I'm not talking physically. I hadn't been real healthy emotionally at times. And I know, it. you know, for a pastor to stand before you and say that, you'd look and say, dear Lord, what's wrong with you? Are you on the verge of a breakdown? No, no, but there's things that begin to happen in your life. And I believe especially with men, especially, and there may be some of you women like this, but Many times in our life, we, we have a filing cabinet right here, and we open it up, and we just stuff things in there, and we shut it, and we never deal with it, and that's me to a T, and when I don't deal with things biblically, and I, I, I'm able to let the Lord help me, then things really begin to build up, and man, you start having inner turmoil. Now, that's not what I'm speaking about, but that's, that's for many of us, and so God's he's, he's doing some things within me. And uh, it's good. It's really good. So I'm ready to go. Now, if you got your Bible, go with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 37. And I've entitled this The Trajectory of Faith. Faith always has a starting point. Every, always. It doesn't matter who it is. Now, the disciples had been with Jesus for over three years. And they were building their faith. Actually, they said on numerous occasions, they said, Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. But their faith didn't ignite just because they'd been around Jesus for three years. And their faith didn't ignite just because they had heard the words that Jesus spoke. Their faith, just like mine and yours, it ignites, it takes off when we begin to do what the Bible says. Now, in Romans 1, it says the just will live by faith. Romans 10, verse 8 says the word of God is near you in your mouth and in your heart. And then the book of Joshua, chapter 1, he said to Joshua, he said, this book of the law, you got to speak it out of your mouth, you got to meditate in it day and night, you got to learn to recite it, and then that you may do the word of God. And he said, then you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. So in in saying all that, I, I want us to get to a place in our life where I purpose in my heart, Lord, I'm going to live by your word and I'm going to learn to live by faith. And whatever's thrown at me in life, it's not going to knock me off course. I'm going to stay with the word and I'm going to stay believing you and trusting you. So what I did here is I took a guy in the Bible that I love the story of Joseph. And so what we'll do for the next, I don't know how long this will take. And I realize there's no need getting in a hurry. So we'll just go each week and take a little more. So begin with me in Genesis 37, verse 1. Now, Jacob which was Joseph's father, dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob, Joseph being 17 years old. Now, when you talk about Joseph being 17, he's very young. And I believe he's a typical 17-year-old, okay? And I don't mean that ugly. I mean, every one of us has been 17 one time or another. But as a 17-year-old, how many of you have been around 17-year-olds lately? 
You see hands going up. They're typical. What I mean typical. They think they know everything. They don't know nothing. And I don't mean that ugly. That's just a fact. That is a fact, okay? And we can go back to, well, man, 38 years ago when I was 17, I'd have been the same way. And so here he's 17 years old. So get this in your mind. This is a 17-year-old. And he was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lads was with the sons of Bilia. Bilia had two sons, Dan and Naphtali, okay? And the sons of Zilpah. And Zilpah had two sons, and it was Gad and Asher. Now, remember, there were 12 of them from four different women. Okay, their culture is a little different than ours. You don't have a bunch of wives. Thank the Lord. And his, wife, and his father's wives and his Joseph brought a bad report to them to his father. And so what Joseph does against these four brothers, he brings a bad or an evil report against them. Now, many don't believe that Joseph participated in their weakness but right here, they believe that he misinterpreted what they did. He actually made it worse than what it was. And so think about this. I don't, I don't care what order you are as a brother, whether you're the oldest, the middle, the baby or anything. I'm going to tell you as a brother, you don't, you don't rat out your other brothers. You rat out your other brothers, guess what's going to happen? They're going to get even with you. And so I'm sure when that had happened... Now, this 17-year-old, he's nothing more than a little tattletale. That's it. That's how his brothers begin to look at it. Verse 3. Now, Israel, this is Jacob. He loved Joseph more than all his children. Now, this, this is a rugged indictment, I believe, right here. Because it was wrong of Joseph. Actually, Joseph right here, I believe, his father Jacob, I mean... He became a respecter of persons. And in uh, Acts 10, 34, Peter said, I perceive that God's no respecter of persons. And God doesn't look at mankind in a different status way. He doesn't say this one's better than that one or that one. In God's eyes, we're all his children. And so again right here, for his father to do this to the rest of them, what does that say to the rest of them? I tell you what it breeds, it breeds rejection. And every one of us in this room at one time or another, we've experienced rejection by, by numerous different people in our life. And so it's not fun. And I, I encourage you, try to learn, and it's a learning process for all of us, including me, try to be good to people. I, I don't ever want people to think I reject them. Because you see what happens to people. And, you know, it's even right here locally, but when I go to the orphanage, and I see those little orphans come out, and man, they've, they've been rejected. And I, I remember one of them, a teenage girl one year, she would just she would sit there and just begin to weep. And of course, I, I have a hard, hard enough time speaking English, let alone Spanish. And so I have to get someone to interpret for me all the time. And I, I said, what's, what's her story? What's her deal? And they begin to ask, and she said, why does my mom and dad not want me? Why did they not want me? And so the damage is done, and it's there for every one of us. And if you've ever been rejected, I, I encourage you to say, Lord, help me. Grace me, Father God. I know you're, you're my Father. Just as we sing, I am a child of God. It's powerful to sing those things. So his dad rejects the rest of them. Keep reading. And it said, because he was the son of his old age, and also he made him a tunic of many colors. 
Now, when we read this here, Joseph has two strikes against him. Number one, he was a tattletale. And number two, he was daddy's favorite. So the brothers didn't like him. Now, when we read about this thing called this tunic, in their culture, it signified leadership or signified royalty. So when daddy put that on him, daddy was saying, that's royalty. Now, whether that was or not to daddy, and you don't do that to other children like that. And so you begin to see what begins to take place here. Verse 4. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him. Now, when we read right here, they hated him. Hatred was brewing in their heart. Again, every one of us in this room have to guard against hatred. Because there's a progression that goes with hatred. Now, watch what happens here. It says, and they hated him and they could not speak peaceably to him. Do you want to know a a real uh, example of how you have hatred in your life? Can you say good things about this person or that person? I want you to think about that just for a second. If you have hatred in your heart towards someone, if I said their name to them, could you say something peaceably or good about them? Or would your mouth jump immediately and say, bleep, 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 bleep. Again, it just locates me. Now, every one of us, we have to fight against this. And so this was what was going on with them. So we get to the verse 5. Now, Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So now we begin to see the real progression of what happens with hatred. It says, They started out hated him, and now they get another thing because of this dream. They hated him more. Why? Because of this dream. And the dream wasn't wrong. Joseph was just immature in telling the dream at this part in his life. So listen to what this word dream means here. The Hebrew word for he had a dream means to bind firmly. So Joseph became firmly bound up to the dream that God given him. Joseph had a dream, but perhaps we could more accurately say that the dream had Joseph and the dream sustained him through all that happened to him over the years. So I say this right here. This is the starting point. He has this dream. He has a thing for God. And it sustains him for the rest of his life. Now, it's important that we begin to understand this. Why did Joseph tell them the dream? Because he believed it. He expressed what he believed. The thing he did wrong here is he spoke it to his brothers. My words are an expression of my faith. But when I say that, my words aren't for the sake or the faith of other people. My words are for me. I don't have to go around telling everybody where this I believe is faith 101. The, the thing that happens is when we have victory in our life, it becomes a testimony. The only time I have a testimony is when I've passed the test. And when I have a testimony, God wants us to share this. But think about this 17-year-old life. He hadn't done nothing. He hadn't done one thing. So now we begin to see the trajectory of faith in operation. My words are an expression of faith. Now, I want you to hold your place right there. Go with me the book of Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs 18, and I just want to briefly 
show you the power of your words and my words, okay? I got several verses in Proverbs I want you to see. I want to quote a verse to you that I believe will help you. In, in Matthew twelve thirty four. it says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth is going to speak it. So in saying that, if you want to locate yourself, just listen to what you're saying. And again, I can go around and I can say stuff like this. I've always been a drunk. I'll always be a drunk. I'm a loser. I can go around and speak negative and negative and negative. Again, out of the abundance of the heart, my mouth's going to speak. And so what needs to begin to happen is I need to start getting the word of God on me, on the inside of me, and I start speaking out what the Bible says. Let me give you an illustration. In Romans, or not Romans, in Revelation 12, 11, it says, we're more than conquerors. We're, we're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb. It's powerful for me to begin to say that. I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. Again, I can look in the mirror. I can say that in the shower. I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. Now, what I just quoted wasn't me. That's what the Word of God says. In Romans eight thirty seven, it says, I'm, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. In, in 1 John 4, 4, it says, Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Philippians 4, 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So what I begin to do is I begin to put the word of God in my heart, and ultimately that word will begin to come out. So it's important that I learn to get the word of God in me. And so you go back and you think, uh, Joseph had this dream, and he spoke that dream. Now watch this scripture. This is Proverbs 18, verses 20 and 21. A man's stomach, how about we say this, my stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of my mouth. Wow. Keep reading. And from the produce of my lips, I shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The NLV says the tongue has the power of life and death. Now think about what he just said there. A, a person's life largely reflects the fruit of his tongue. To speak life is to speak God's perspective on any issue of life. To speak death is to declare life's negatives, to declare defeat, or to complain constantly. Oh my gosh, that one hurt. So if I go around and I complain constantly, you know what I've just done? I've just spoken death over my life. If I complain and I whine over and over again, understand, this is what's going on. And so it's very easy for every one of us in this room to fall into this trap. So if I get a hold of what he's saying here, the words that are coming out of my mouth are either going to be life or they're going to be death. Now here's the scary thing or the good thing. You choose. You choose. I choose. So what I'm telling you right here is I've got to become very conscientious of all the words I speak. You know, people will say, well, words are cheap. No, they're very expensive <laughs> when I begin to confess the wrong thing. And so, so many times in our life, the, 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 the stat says, you know why most children fail? Because words that have been spoken over. You're stupid. You're ignorant. You'll never amount to nothing. Now, things may have been spoken over every one of us in that room. How many of you have ever had people that have said negative things to you? Again, I'm going to start saying what God says. I don't have to live by what they say. 
And so this is the same for every one of us in this room. Now, I'm going to go backwards just a little bit in Proverbs. Go to Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4. And all I'm going to do here is to show you the power of your tongue. Proverbs 15, verse 4. A wholesome tongue, one translation says, a healing tongue is a tree of life. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. So when I speak wholesome words, it's a tree that has life. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 3. He who guards his mouth preserves his life or keeps his life. But he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Again, he's laying it out pretty easy for every one of us. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. There is one who speaks like the piercing or the cutting of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. The tongue or the words of the wise promote health. Now, if the tongue of the wise promotes health, what do you think the tongue of the foolish promotes? Wow. So you know what he just told me? There's a lot of stuff that happens to my physical body that is a direct result of what I speak out of my mouth. Now, this may hurt a little bit, but how many of you say stuff like this? Man, all I have all day long is headaches. I have the worst migraine headaches every day of my life. Well, you know what you've done? You self-prophesied to yourself. Oh, my gosh. These mosquitoes this year are going to have the Zika virus. And you watch what I tell you. Me and my kids will get it. Again, all I'm doing is speaking things into existence. So I've got to watch the word out of my mouth. Now, I said this earlier. This is faith 101. That my mouth has got to start lining up with the word of God. Now go back to, to Genesis 37 where we were. And we'll pick back up. Oh my goodness. B said to me, Pastor, you have Genesis 31, 1 through 25. <laughs> we're not going to get there, but we're going to get close. Verse 6. So he said to them, to his brothers, Please hear this dream that I have spoken. There we were. Now listen to what he's saying. There we were. Now this is Joseph talking to his brothers. He said, there we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaf stood all around, and you bowed to my sheaf. Now, literally, what he's telling them right here is, you're going to bow before me. Now you're talking about, even though this was a dream, you're talking about arrogant and pride. To look at another human being and say, hey, you boys are going to bow before me. What do you think that does on the inside of other people? Keep reading. And his brothers said, shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? Now watch the progression of hate. So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. For what he spoke to them. Now here's a good, good verse for everyone of us to get a hold of. James 1.19 says, be swift to hear and slow to speak. Most of us get that totally opposite. We're swift to speak and slow to hear. 
Now, this may be a, a huge revelation to some of us. But there's a reason God gave us two ears and just one mouth. <laughs> we do pretty well with one mouth. We don't need two mouths, okay? And so I promise you, one of the confessions is my, over my life is, Lord, I'm swift to hear and I'm slow to speak. In other words, pay attention like a surgeon would before you speak things out of your mouth, okay? That's huge. That's James 1.19. If you ever want to put a tattoo on you, put that on you. Don't tell your parents pastor said that. Verse 9. Then he dreamed still another dream. And he told it to his brothers. And he said, look, I've dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. And what's crazy about this, he didn't learn the lesson. He dreams another dream, and he says, the sun, which represented his father, the moon, which represented his mother, and the 11 stars, which represented his brothers, they all bowed down to me. I'm like, dude, you got to get a grip here. You, you can't be voicing all this to people again. I want you to understand that so much of the things that God happens between me and God, I said, Lord, man, I just want to fall in love with you. Now, keep reading. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his fathers rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now, when it said his brothers envied him, they were jealous. They were mad for two reasons. Number one, the partiality of their father and the arrogance of their brother. Again, if I don't get a hold of hatred, hatred will ultimately lead to murder, whether it's the act of murder or murder within my heart. And that's the same danger as actually doing it physically. Keep reading. Verse 12. Then his brothers went to feed their father's sheep in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, are your brothers feeding the flock and check them? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to them, here I am. Then he said to him, please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks and bring back word to me. So he sent them out of the valley of Hebron to, and he went to Shechem. Now Shechem was a very rough territory, okay? Now a certain man found him and there he was wandering in the field and the man asked him saying, what are you seeking? So Joseph said, I'm seeking my brother. Please tell me where they're feeding their flocks. And the man said, they have departed from here, for I heard them say, let's go with my brothers. And they found him in Dothan. Now, Dothan was another 15 miles he had to go. Now, when they came and saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Now, what I want you to see there, the progression of hatred. See, again, I don't care who we are in this room. When I entertain the thought of hatred and I never forgive people even when they've mistreated me, man, I'm a, I run a risk of getting into an area I don't want to get into. So we pick up verse 19. Then they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Come therefore, let us now kill him and cast into some pit and we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben, and Reuben was the oldest of all of them. Reuben heard and said, and he delivered him out of their hands. And he said, let us not kill him. 
And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit, which is in the wilderness. And do not lay a hand on him that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So it came to, jo- it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brother, they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the royalty. The tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and they cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty and there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat a meal. Now a couple things I want to point out here. This is a crazy thought. People he didn't know, they didn't cast him in the pit. His own brothers cast him into the pit. And many of us in this room, we've had somebody in our family, whether it's mom, dad, siblings, that have mistreated us. And when it says here, they sat down to eat a meal, it showed me how hard-hearted his brothers, they could have cared less. They didn't care what he was doing. Now, understand this. Some of what took place with Joseph was self-inflicted. And let me ask you a question in saying that. It's not have you done anything wrong, it's rather have you done the wrong that fits the pit. I can tell you this in my life, I've made mistakes. And I've done wrong that fit the pit. Remember the Bible's very clear, whatever a man sows, that's what he'll reap. And so I have to ask myself that. Now, here's the thing that we're going to get to. Go with me to Mark 11. Mark 11. And the difference between staying in the pit or getting out is what we're going to find here in Mark chapter 11. Do I stay the rest of my life in the pit or do I get out? And what's interesting about this, again, this becomes my choice. This becomes your choice. Now, you're going to watch how the Bible plays out right here. So we go to Mark 11. Mark 11, 22, 23, 24 are all about faith. Mark eleven twenty two says, have faith in God, a divinely implanted principle. I got to have faith. The Bible's very clear that says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he is and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's Hebrews eleven six. 6. But understand this, have faith in God. Have the God kind of faith. Now, Jesus said this, but watch how Jesus not only tells us to have the God kind of faith, he tells us how to do it. Keep reading. For surely I say to you, Whoever says to the mountain, whoever speaks to the mountain. Now listen what a mountain is. A mountain is symbolic of an obstacle, a hindrance, or an insurmountable problem. A mountain isn't people, okay? But what did the Lord Jesus say? He said, whatever the obstacle, whatever the hindrance in your life, Start speaking to the mountain. Now, I've always said it this way. I'm either going to speak to the mountain or the mountain's going to speak to me. And again, what do I speak to the mountain? I speak the things of God to it. So he said, speak to the mountain. Now, keep reading. And say, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but he believes those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. 
So again, the Lord Jesus is clarifying to me and you, there's power in the tongue. But it's interesting that he said, it isn't just me to speak to the mountain. He said, whatever you speak, believe it and it'll happen. Many times we speak things, but until I get the word of God in me, I don't believe it. But the more I get the word of God in me, the more I'll start saying, I believe that, I believe that, I believe that. I believe that. Now, ooh, I'm running out of time rapidly. In my own life, I'm, I was dominated by alcohol. I mean, I was slobbered and drunk for years. But I began to realize because of the word of God, I don't have to live that way. He said, he's delivered me from the power of darkness. That's Colossians 1. So I began to speak that. I said, Lord, I thank you. You've delivered me from the power of alcohol. You've delivered me. You've delivered me. Did it happen overnight, Pastor? No, it didn't happen overnight. But I kept speaking the word. And I kept speaking the word. That was an obstacle or a hindrance in my life. Now, it can look differently for every one of us in this room. What's the obstacle or hindrance in your life? So what you do is you go back to find scripture, what the word of God says about that. And you start speaking to that mountain and say, "Uh uh-uh. Alcohol, you have no dominion over me. To the glory of God and because of God's grace. I hadn't had a drink for over 30 years. Not even, and that's the grace of God, guys. I'm telling you that right now. That is the grace of God. That's the goodness of God. So why do I tell you that? Because I've seen the word of God work. I've seen this happen right here. Keep reading, verse 24. Therefore, I say to you, to you, me and you who are hearing this, whatever things you ask when you pray, Believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, this is what happens a lot of times to us when we pray. We go to the Lord and we pray. But we don't believe in what we're praying. And if I get a hold of that, he said, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them. And so, again, the believing part is faith where I grab a hold of it and I say, Father God, I I believe this is going to happen. Now, watch verse 25 and 26. And this is where it gets really interesting. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you and your trespasses. A condition of prevailing prayer is a a forgiving spirit. So did you just get what he said right there? You got to forgive. Verse 26, now watch this. But if you do not forgive, and he's given you, you don't have to. But if you don't forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. So my life literally depends on what's on the inside of me. Do I choose to forgive or do I choose to hang on to it? And maybe you were treated unfairly. Maybe it's been unjust. Very similar to Joseph. Some of that was brought on to him by himself. But again, I got to look at this and say, Okay, Father God, if I get what you're saying, because there's unforgiveness in my heart, it stops my prayers. Just like that. And we may look at each other and say, that's not fair. Well, I didn't write the book. We just have to play by the rules. And so God's saying, I I want you to forgive them. And I believe this with all my heart. One of the most difficult things, if not the most, for human beings is to forgive people. When they've wronged me. But again it becomes a choice. So what you have to do. And what I have to do. There's days in my life I said Lord grace me to forgive. Grace me to forgive. I'm I'm not going to sit up here and act like I'm just a spiritual guy. And everything's great with me. There's days in my life I don't want to forgive. 
Actually, I would rather pray, Lord, whack them at the knees. Get them, God, get them, sick them, send Brutus after them. But then I realized, I, I, I want the things of God to happen in my life. The trajectory of faith. For Joseph to operate in the realm that he was going to, he had to choose to forgive. So what's ultimately got to happen, I've got to adopt forgiveness toward others in my prayer time. And listen real close what I'm going to end with. Make it a daily discipline. You know why that is? I keep my heart right every day. I keep my heart right. I said, Lord, I'm not going to let unforgiveness. Well, Pastor, you, you never have anybody do anything wrong with you. <laughs> I wish you were right. And I will tell you this. When I begin to forgive people, there's times it's just words out of my mouth when I start. And I'll say, Father God, I ask you to forgive them as I forgive them. And sometimes it's just like this. Father God, I forgive them. Do you know what he said in Matthew 5 over and over? He said, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. Bless them. So there's times right here. I will, I will walk this just like this. I can almost do this without my eyes closed. Father God, I bless them. I bless them today. I, I ask you to bless Billy Bob with everything I'm asking you to do for me today. I ask you to bless him with a double portion of grace today. And there are days it starts out just with, golly, it's the last thing I want to do. And before long, I can literally sense everything released to me. And you know what the telling tape is? Is when I walk into Walmart and I see that same person on the aisle and I go, oh crap, I'm not going near him. You know what it does? It locates my little stinking heart again. I realize, oh my gosh, I got unforgiveness in me. See, I'm hitting you right where I'm at. This is right where my life is. But yet something happens when someone has wronged me so bad, and yet I, I, I can go up to them and say, how are you? You know what the Bible says? You're heaping coals of fire upon their head. <laughs> it's fun when you get to that place where you look and say, this is torturing them. Because I'm loving them. I'm not getting even. I'm not saying, it's the last thing I'm going to do. I know where you live. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.